All right, you got your notes with you? I'm ready to go. All right, you want to just do you want to just go right into this thing? Just roll right into it. See what happens. Let's let, let's let it flow. You're listening to the Double A Balls podcast with your hosts Andrew Romanella. It is absolutely popping off. Do you know what we call that sometimes? Dick high fun balls. And Anthony Rinaldi. I'm going to say something crazy. How about feeling like a dog? Oh, at the buzzer. Oh, he missed it. Oh, OG. The show starts now. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. This is the Double A Balls Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Romanella, and with me, my partner, Anthony Andrew, how are you? I'm doing good, as always, every time we get to talk about sports, Anthony. I'm in a good mood. But before we do that, we tell the people, get us on Instagram and Twitter. Social media blitz. Dab podcast on both DAABpodcast.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Google, and Spotify podcast. You know the deal. Anthony Rinaldi, listen. The World Cup was fantastic. Croatia was fantastic, but at the end of the day, the France came through and the best team won. Le bleu. Whatever you call him, Andrew. The French prevailed 4-2. to two. I don't think it was that close. We kind of had that knucklehead goal. The goalkeeper from France, Loris, uh, wanted to kick it back to his defender who gave him to originally. The Croat stuck his big old leg out, and boom, Andrew, back in the net. That's kind of one of those fluky goals, but you saw it. I mean, Croatia was just kind of happy to be there. I feel like, you know, they were just, they had a lot of, they had a lot of pride just making it all the way to the finals. And, you know, that, that country knows how to celebrate. Well, and the one thing I feel too, Anthony, I agree with you. I think more than anything else, though, it was in the second half when they were down and they really needed to continue to be on the attack and probably about the 60th minute watching that game, You just felt like you saw the wear and tear of the extra time that Croatia had to play leading up to that World Cup final. And I think that's when it really caught up to them. And I think think you would agree with this, Anthony. I think that was Loris's really only true mistake the entire World Cup. And I think you had mentioned – mentioned it to me in the in the precast about how you thought he might be the Golden Gloves winner, possibly had that goal not gone in. I mean – it was leading up to it. For, you know, France, they had that stacked defense, and Loris played a hell of a World Cup. And he was actually – actually, the French were kind of worried about him in, in two previous uh, World Cup friendlies. Either way, they the, the French didn't like the way he was playing. He let up a lot of goals for his Tottenham Spurs. He wasn't really the goalkeeper that they had, had hoped for. So there's a lot of question with Loris. But, listen, when you host the gold trophy at the end of the tournament, Andrew, as the number one team, not too much to, uh, to be – you know, upset about. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, too, France's big dogs, Mbappe and uh, Umtiti on defense and and Dogba, yep, I mean, all of them. They came out to play when when the French team needed them to and they rode them to this World Cup and now the French take home their, their second World Cup. Having a coach that was able to win one as a player and now bring a World Cup to his country as a coach, the third time that's ever happened. And you saw those players, they're a young team, they're athletic. That's going to be 
They're going to be very good for a while. They're going to be predominant favorites in four years. I think that was probably the most enjoyable thing. That was probably the first time, Anthony, in my time watching professional sports or World Cups or NCAA tournaments that I actually sat through and watched the the celebration. And to Croatia's credit, there was a lot of pride from their side, and I appreciated seeing that as well too. Andrew, do you realize Mbappe wasn't even born the last time France hoisted the trophy back in 1998? He's 19, correct? That is correct, sir. He is – get this. He is the second – youngest player to score a, a goal in the FIFA World Cup behind some dude named Pele. And I heard if you have one name in soccer, you're pretty good. I absolutely agree with that. I wonder if there's a statistic on that because I think that's very true. But either way, that that's a man and a team that is to be for the next 10 to 15 years in soccer. And I have to be honest with you, Anthony, this World Cup, I'm very proud of myself because I've spoken to you a lot about my want to watch more soccer. And the other day I'm sitting on my couch and I didn't really have anything to watch. I, I have no idea why there was nothing on TV. And I turned on an MLS game and I watched it for about 20 to 25 minutes. And Anthony, I got to be honest with you. I actually truly enjoyed it to the point where I am absolutely very interested in watching more soccer. And I think the next thing I want to do, Anthony, as a potential soccer fan, is actually go to a soccer match and experience it live. That's it's kind of like it's kind of like me and hockey. I feel like that experience alone will just, will just hook you, and you'll be hooked for life. Because they say once you go to a hockey game live, there's nothing like it. The atmosphere, the speed, the beauty of the game, and soccer is all that. And I bet you, I, I know later in the show we're going to give you a little rundown. Of, 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 what, of what's coming to, you know, the United States and, and where you can catch these phenomenal international stars. But, Andrew, just to kind of break down the first half of that game, <clears throat> Croatia came out the aggressor in that first half, Andrew. I don't know if you – I know you said you sat down and you watched it. And you could tell that France kind of laid back in their, you know, defensive strategy with their counterattack with Pogba at the midfield there. But, I mean, Croatia – I mean, Croatia scored an own goal, Andrew. How deflating is that in your in your first World Cup appearance? That that alone could probably set you back, you know. But they came on the offensive again as as the aggressor, and they scored the equalizer. Ten minutes once they left own goal in, boom, Andrew, it's one one, and we're right back into it. And I thought we were going to have a game, and then you saw on later in that half, they go to instant replay, Andrew, and it's a handball in the box. That is a pen, a penal, and my boy Griezmann buried it. Bottom left corner, goaltender had no chance. And I really think France really just took it to him, second half, and that was it. Yeah, and I believe that that Croatia came out early, knowing that hey, listen, we have a lot of wear and tear on our legs. The best opportunity for us to attack is going to be early. Let's see if we can get a lead here, and then play a lot of defense and just try and hold it off. And I think to to what you, the point you made before, they absolutely came out on fire and they had a lot of opportunities early. But unfortunately, you're right. An own goal will kill you. And, and that same player ended up being the one that produced the terrible goal that was let in by Loris. So kind of a little poetic justice there, however, a little bit too late. And the problem with that was it was so early in the game, it was deflating early. And the other thing I noticed, and, and I made a note of this, was 
early in the first half, about five or six minutes in, Mbappe came down uh, on a break, and it was a great save by the Croatian goalkeeper. And back came Croatia. I think it was an odd man opportunity. Either way, it, it was a good opportunity. And once they crossed the half line, Ant, about three people dressed in cop costumes ran on the field, and they had to stop the play. And that was a huge momentum shift. Because you never know what's about to happen in a 0-0 ball game with that much energy. Like you mentioned, Croatia was on fire early. If they get that opportunity, they run the length of the field right there and they create something. It could also be a different game. And I hate to see that an opportunity potentially early in the game, a momentum shifter early in the game before that own goal was scored, that was taken away from Croatia because three idiots decided to run onto the field. Yeah, it was a staged, one of these staged protests. Three females dressed as police officers. I believe Vladimir Putin has all their names, where they live, their addresses, what they're allergic to. I'm sure we're not going to hear from them ever again. Say goodnight. France just had the juice and the poise. France's defense, head by Raphael Varone, that dude scored a few goals. He was the top defender. Him and Loris there in the backfield really made it tough for anybody to get anywhere near the goal and you saw that Croatia they had opportunities they had some beautiful crosses but in the end they just couldn't they couldn't match the talent that France had Mbappe Pogba Griezmann whatever you say his name is they had the dude, they literally they could have had a golden ball winner in in Golo Kante but he kind of had the he kind of had a yellow early in that in that uh, final game final game he really didn't uh, he really didn't put the pressure on like he used to in the midfield there. He kind of played back a little bit. He was a little timid because he didn't want to get a red car. Obviously, set your team back going down to 10 men. So, I mean, France, they just they were just a class of the tournament, Andrew. You saw it from the knockouts, you know, from the group stage, a little bit of the knockout stage. And, again, talent, you know, talented ball players will win out, not just one. You know, your Messi's, your Ronaldo's, they were out early. You know, it's a team game. Soccer is one of those games where you kind of like football. It's just, It's not one guy. You know, it's a whole team effort. You got to get a, it's all got to move in the same direction at one time. And France just had it going. And I think overall, at least in my opinion, I would rate this World Cup an absolute A. I, I enjoyed every step of it. Obviously, the only reason why it's not an A plus is because I didn't get to see the United States compete. Whether or not they're obviously, they make it to the round of 16 or even compete for the title is another conversation. But just being able to see them, I think, is why it can't really fulfill my World Cup taste. But I think in terms of what I wanted to get out of the World Cup this year, which was getting more involved in the game of soccer, understanding more about the passion for the game of soccer internationally, what's going on in the U.S., and, and things of that nature. I think I got that. And plus, it was damn entertaining throughout the entire tournament. And, and a lot of underdog countries came through, and I thought that was, that's what made it very, very interesting for me. And I told you before, I watched an MLS game because of it. So, Anthony, we'll see, man. But, I mean, Ronaldo signs with Juventus. I'm sure you're pretty excited about that. So, I think right now, as the World Cup came to an end on Sunday – it, it really put soccer at the forefront with with some exciting things to see going forward. Definitely excited to watch number seven put on the Juventus jersey and just you know watch him play some Italian-style soccer. They're coming to the United States, Juventus. I'm, 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 I've always been tuned into soccer, Andrew. Not from – I've played it my whole life, but I'm definitely going to get into it a little more this year, definitely like you said, because, hey, I got prepared. 2026, the United States is hosting, so at least we'll be in by default. That's the truth, and I'm excited for that. Well, you know, something else I was really, really excited for was the Home Run Derby. 
And now that baseball is at the forefront, I believe Major League Baseball went into the home run derby in Washington with Bryce Harper competing with a stacked AL roster competing in the all-star game, needing a very good two days in Washington. And I believe on Monday night, Bryce Harper delivered everything Major League Baseball needed. Everyone loves to watch home run balls. And let me tell you, last night those balls were flying out of the National Stadium. The hometown hero kind of written like in a WWE script, Andrew. Just the taunting. The guy throws the the double-fisted bat flip walk-off home run derby champ. And, of course, not to be some without controversy, Andrew, have you seen the hashtag justice for Schwarber? Well, I did once you mentioned it to me. So so what's going on here? Because it, it seems to be that there is a discrepancy with when the ball was landing over the fence and Bryce Harper's dad was releasing the baseball for the next pitch to be hit. Precisely. You know, who knows the rules for the home? I mean, if you're really caring about the rules for this all-star game, you got more problems than, you know, we can discuss on this episode. It's a show. It's a show, people. Exactly, it's right. But clearly, um, people have put have sent into MLB. Mr. Manfred's probably swarmed his office right now with videos of four instances where the father, Bryce Harper's father, pitched the ball before the ball had landed in violation. So I guess technically he didn't hit the home runs, but who knows? It's an all-star game, folk. I mean, it's a home run derby. It was a nice moment. It was a seminal moment for Washington. You know, Bryce Harper got the crowd all juiced up. It's it's, it's an interesting moment because he may leave in free agency. Who knows? But, I mean, just watching him get up there and just swing, watching Schwarber get up there and just mash, and even like a little dude like Alex Bregman, who probably, I mean, he's not even the best hitter on Houston, you know, but he was up there, you know, five foot nothing, just whacking away, hitting 15, 14 bombs. I mean, MLB wanted a show. They got a spectacle last night, Andrew. Yeah, and the final was fantastic. And Kyle Schwarber even said, he's like, man, I ran out of gas. But that was some of the most fun I've had in a long time. And Bryce Harper, nine home runs and 10 swings in like what was about a minute to tie it. And then he gets, he hits it with the walk-off like you mentioned before. And I, and I agree. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And I have two problems with that. The first one is, we said it before, it's a show. And whatever can make Major League Baseball look the best – in a time when Major League Baseball needs to continue to gravitate towards the younger fan. That needs to be at the forefront, and the Home Run Derby did that. The second problem with that is, is there's an umpire, Anthony, that is standing directly behind the catcher and the batter that has his hand up, and he signals when do the batting practice pitcher should be throwing the ball to be hit. Now, could Bryce Harper's dad be trying to get an advantage and, and, and release the baseball at the same time that he's saying you could throw it? Sure, absolutely something like that could be happening. Could Bryce Harper's dad really have not actually cared what the guy was doing? Yeah, sure, that absolutely could happen too. But at the end of the day, if I put blame on anybody, I put blame on that guy. And I think if Major League Baseball is smart, they don't even care. They don't even say anything about this situation. They just move forward and allow that moment to be that moment. I think the umpire was Bryce Harper's uncle. So breaking news there. Well, there you go. I mean, it's, it's, it's a family affair there. Well, part of what was exciting about All-Star Weekend was the fact that Manny Machado could possibly be traded. And throughout the day, Anthony, 
there's been a lot of speculation that he might be traded before the all-star game. He might be traded during the all-star game is the all-star bat that he got the last all-star bat that he's going to have in a Baltimore Orioles uniform. And it is seeming like the Dodgers, possibly the Phillies, most likely not the Brewers, but their name has been mentioned, seem to be the three teams that are really getting the most play in terms of the mix, and the Dodgers seem to be the forefront for Manny Machado. But at the end of the day, I think when we start play again on Friday, Anthony Rinaldi, Manny Machado will no longer be a Baltimore Oriole. I think there's going to be a seismic shift. First, L.A. gets LeBron. Now they're going to get Machado, Andrew. L.A. is going to be on fire. That NL West is a crapshoot right now. I think they have a half-game lead over the Arizona Diamondbacks, who also was mentioned in the Machado sweepstakes. But uh, I think LA Dodgers. I think they're gonna just. I think they're gonna roll the red carpet out. Give him. Give the prospects that that Baltimore wants. Machado's gonna play there and enjoy it. And they're gonna put make a, a nice little playoff run. And I think if Machado lands on the Dodgers, Andrew, lock him up NLCS right now. LAD. That was my next question. Are they the absolute favorite? Like, there's, there, who, who's, who's contending with the Los Angeles Dodgers if Manny Machado's on that roster? That's a great question, Andrew. I'm not even sure. Um, Philly. I mean, I'm oh. going up and down. No, right. I don't trust Atlanta in that scenario. I mean, I would look at the Cubs, A, and I'd probably look at the Arizona Diamondbacks. Truthfully, those would be the two teams that I would look at because. Did you just see Manny Machado take a selfie? He's taking, they're taking selfies all over. Back camp. But listen, and I like this about the All-Star game now, Anthony. It's a new era of the All-Star game. They're trying to involve a little bit more fun on the field for the players because the best thing Major League Baseball ever did was change the All-Star game from mattering to not mattering anymore. So now you can see things like this. And why that's cool is because you are appealing to the 13 to 25, 13 to 30-year-old fan, Anthony, and baseball needs more of that. Stuff like that, selfies on the field, Watch that picture is going to be famous because watch Manny Machado gets traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers and he's got a selfie with Matt Kemp at second base on the night before the same night he got traded to the team he's about to become a teammate with. Stuff like that is really cool and stuff like that's what Major League Baseball needs. Yeah, and I think MLB put the word out. No, no big news could happen until after the All-Star game. They kind of wanted to make it be a standalone moment. They didn't want to ruin it with the L.A. Dodger stuff, but typical social media Everyone needs to know right away. And uh, probably, you know, like an Adrian Wojnarowski bomb. I believe Ken, Rose, Ken Rosenthal had it or a few guys had it. But it looks like the Dodgers, Buster Olney, I believe he's the MLB guru here in this fashion. I think he said it. It's basically LAD. And uh, it's just it's going to be a fun fun race towards, towards the pennant, Andrew. And I think it's going to be uh, Yankees-Dodgers in the World Series. Well, I know that you've spoken to me a lot about Jacob deGrom. So his agent came out the other day because obviously his name, I I would say that right now him and Machado are the two most spoken about players on bad teams. And deGrom's agent came out and essentially said that if the Mets don't want to give Jacob deGrom a long-term contract deal now, they might as well trade him and save Jacob deGrom. He is 30 years old. We've spoke a lot about how once you get to that 32, 33-year-old range, if you're a pitcher, you tend to really not get that contract extension. So how important is it now, Anthony, for the New York Mets to either lock up Jacob DeGrom, but if not, 
what's their move in the trade market? Because, I mean, the way I look at it, there's 31 teams in Major League Baseball that would trade for Jacob DeGrom right now and probably give up a lot of very good prospects. And you're talking prospects that could absolutely restart the Mets franchise in the right direction. Listen, you don't want to get Jonathan Tavares. The Mets, I feel like it's, it's such an interesting or a conundrum, as, as they say, because you're, the Mets are in a, between a rock and a hard place. Do you trade your best pitcher that you've had you know, in generations? Tom Seaver-esque, you know, he's not quite up to that level just yet. Uh, but, I mean, the dude is your ace. He's always, gonna, he's always been your ace. He's always been your rock. Whenever you need a win, you're throwing out the Grom. He had a hell of a run in 2015 to the World Series. I mean, is it worth it for the Mets to to lock him down for five, you know, five, four to five years now? Do you think you can get somewhere in the next two to three years, the World Series wise? But I just think they have too many holes, Andrew. Who was it? Who's at first base, second base, third base, two outfield positions, a bullpen that's kind of shaky? I mean, you have lots and lots of holes. You are like Swiss cheese, Andrew, as a Mets fan. And and I agree with you. And I think that's why the positive part of the last month and a half, two months, has been that Zach Wheeler and Steven Matz have pitched a lot better. And their trade value has gone up significantly. The problem is, no matter which way you slice it, no one's ever going to bring the return that Jacob deGrom or Noah Syndergaard are going to bring for the New York Metropolitan. So there has to be a decision made. The, the real thing I think is gonna, that's going to happen, though, is it's a stalemate until the summertime because there's no real move the Mets need to make. And the other thing you have to remember here, Ant, is that they don't have a GM right now. It's a three-headed monster running that front office. So ownership in the Wilpons could look at the situation and say, hey, you know what? We can't be giving contract extensions when we're going to be hiring a new GM at the end of this year. And that GM might not want Jacob DeGrom or that GM might want Jacob DeGrom. And we can't make that decision if that guy's not here yet and his vision has not begun to be executed. And I think that's an interesting twist to this whole scenario, at the end of the day, if I'm the GM of the New York Mets, Mr. Rinaldi, I'm giving DeGrom a four-year extension, somewhere in the range of 90 to $100 million, and then I think the question becomes, how much do you trust him that to either give him a player option for the fifth year, or if you don't really necessarily trust him or the health or the age at 34, 35 years old during that part of the contract, then you probably make it a club option for the fifth year. It's definitely going to be an interesting spot for the Mets. Uh, again, Andrew, that's, this is one to sleep on as a GM. You don't know what you're going to get, again, because a lot of these, a lot of these pieces that you're probably going to acquire, you know, they could, be, they could be a lottery ticket. You, know, you don't know, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, you're rolling the dice if you trade the Grom. I mean, you know what you have in him. So I, I have to agree, you know, four years, a hundred mil. I'm sure that I'm sure he'll sign up for that today. Cause he said, you know, if, if we can't work out a long-term partnership, then trade me. And I feel like his ceiling right now uh, is, 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 is as high as it's ever going to be because he is that ace. And I think it's also an interesting time in baseball, Andrew, where we may have 200 win teams duking it out in a one game playoff to see who plays the Red Sox. And that's the big, the big aspect here is that at the end of the day, it sounds like the Yankees aren't going to get Manny Machado, and it absolutely sounds like nobody's going to get Jacob DeGrom. So, Ant, where do the New York Yankees go now? Because the, the big question mark that no, has, never, has yet to get filled is 
The Yankees need starting pitching, and they're going to have to go somewhere for it. The ideal option was somebody from the Metropolitans. That looks like it's off the table. Where do they turn next? I'm just glad that Manny Machado is headed to the National League. I'm glad he does not go into the Red Sox, God forbid. J.A. Happ, Cole Hamels, those are the lefty arms you hear, you know, that are, are, are basically going to be on the move. Uh, I heard kind of a dark horse candidate that I believe – it depends if Seattle kind of – I mean, Seattle, St. Louis uh, – I'm sorry, if St. Louis kind of hangs in the balance, if they kind of fall out, you can see the Yankees go after a guy like Carlos Martinez. Love that. I've Love heard that. that. I've heard that name a few times, and, and he's not quite what he once was. You know, he, he, he's a little bit banged up last, you know, last year and this year. He's not pitched to where he was, but he was a stud a few years ago, Andrew. I remember that in the playoffs. That, and that dude has a live arm throwing 98-plus miles an hour. And he's yeah, young, too, I believe, 26, right, yeah. 27 years old. Right. And I think he's only older, like 11 and a half mil or 12 mil a year, something like that, which is pretty, you know, pretty good for his, his caliber player. So, you know, that's a name not talked about, but, you know, you can see Cashman maybe pull that move because, you know, St. Louis is a perennial playoff team. So if they can rebuild, you know, get some young talent, I'm sure they'll take that, uh, that concept and, and run with it. Now, now do you think that, this trade market is going to have a lot of people look at teams like the Marlins, teams like the Padres, teams that you know typically always look like they're they're at the bo- bottom feeders. And you saw the Marlins fire sale this off season. Do you think Derek Jeter is going to keep that fire sale going, or do, or do you think it's kind of hit a spot where a team like the Marlins are kind of done selling, a team like the Padres are kind of done selling? Now they're kind of officially in their step forward phase because. There are a few pieces on teams like that, and, and I know that it's offensively more so than anything else, but a Justin Bohr, a guy that is really kind of starting to figure it out a little bit, he leads that teams in home, team in home runs. You have Starlin Castro, which is a guy that is hitting 291 right now for the Marlins that people kind of forget. So that's a curiosity question to me. And then, of course, JT Real Muto behind the dish. So those are just three names offensively from that team that it's a question of mine, Anthony, is – you wonder if Derek Jeter keeps selling. And those are also big pieces that certain teams in contention, if the Brewers don't end up with a guy like Manny Machado, do they go and try and trade for, trade for a Starlin Castro, who, oh, by the way, also can play the shortstop position? So those are interesting questions to look at as well that are also going to kind of help determine this trade market in the next two weeks. Yeah, and I mean, listen, you know teams like the Orioles, they, they got some bullpen. They got Zach Britton. I'm sure they're gonna try to get whatever they can for him. I think they have 29 wins, Andrew. They're like 46 games under 500, or something like that, or whatever god ungodly uh, record they have. The Kansas City Royals have some pieces. Mike Mustakis comes to mind. Uh, I thought uh, he might have got a better deal in the off season last year, but he, you know, he came back on a kind of a team friendly deal, and uh, he wouldn't look bad in pinstripes. Not gonna lie to you, he wouldn't look bad in a Mets uniform, Andrew, over there in the hot corner. I wanted him. I wanted him last off season, but I, I mean, was I mad at Todd Frazier? No, but and to your point, I, I wanted him off season, last off season. Listen, I have him in fantasy. The dude hits bombs and hits, but never gonna hit for average. But hits a lot of home runs and RBIs, and he'd be a great power source if he ever gets Cespedes back. I think he still plays baseball, doesn't he? Yeah, I don't know. He's actually, I think, trying out for the PGA Tour right now. Yeah, why not? I mean, listen, you can't... I think it's his second career. <laughs> Why not? You spoke about the bullpen. In my bullpen, when I need somebody, Anthony, that can fix my windows, can fix my screens, my doors, 
my broken glass or my thermo pains. Mr. Rinaldi, do you know who I go to? You go to Mr. Rinaldi. Yes, I do. That is Hawthorne Glass, and that is our man, Angelo Rinaldi, who's at over three decades of quality service in the glass industry. Please call Mr. Angelo Rinaldi and mention Double A Balls Podcast, and you will receive 10% off your first discount. And that phone number is 973-427-4344. That's Hawthorne Glass. That's our man, Angelo. Mention the Double A Balls Podcast. What that means here, this Mr. Rinaldi, is we are on to what do you got? What do you got? Man, Andrew, I am on a roll, just steamrolling through your picks of what you you got. You are cooking right now. Your record, because your France win over Croatia 4-2, to if you remember correctly, Anthony took France, I took the field, and it went to... 4-2 4-2 France, so Mr. Rinaldi goes to 23-20. and 20. Andrew drops to 19-24. and 24. It seems, though, that we are going to go head-to-head again this week, are we not? That's right, sir. That's right. You want to know why? Because we got a little Sunday night showdown. Subway in, series. In the Bronx, baby. It's going to be hot and steamy in the Bronx, Andrew. We got your boy, DeGrom. We got Masahiro Tanaka. I'm a little concerned about Tanaka. That's why I picked him for my what do you got, for my what do you got player, because I want to make sure that my pitching staff is right come playoff time, Andrew. And I know right now he kind of got rocked, you know, his, his third, fourth, you know, second, third time for the lineup. His last outing didn't go so well. So let me see it. The Mets aren't a great lineup. He should be able to work through it. If, if his sinker ball is low and in the dirt, the Mets will be fishing for it all game, and I see I can see a very low-scoring game, Andrew. But I can see my Yankees coming out on top, six-nil. I'll take my Degrom versus your Tanaka. The Mets versus the Yankees Sunday night baseball, eight p.m. the twenty-second of July. So tune in for that. Let's hope Andrew can get back on the in the positive ways of the what do you got scoreboard. All right, Mister Rinaldi, listen, we got a new segment coming to the fans this week and it is our fan mailbag and before we get into this fan mailbag we need to let the people know that we need a sponsor for this segment and if you want to sponsor this segment you need to hit us at double a balls podcast at gmail.com and come on and be our sponsor of our fan mailbag because the more fan interaction we can get the better it will be if you have a product that you want thousands of listeners to get their ear in onto, hit us up. Let us know what you got. We'll DM us. Get you know, hit us up. Email us. Call my call me personally. I'll give you my number right now on the podcast. No, I won't do that, Andrew. But you can you know you know where to find us. Get us get us get us your information. We want you to sponsor this mailbag because it's going to blow up, Andrew. I can tell already. We had quite a few in the hopper. I want to get right to it. Well, I'm excited, Ann, and the first one is going to come from an avid listener, I think from episode one on. That's Mr. Rocky Romanella, and he sent us an email in response to our episode last week talking about 
international soccer stars and how big they are internationally, but how there does not seem to be an interest, or at least that I know of, of them coming to America and really kind of putting on an individualistic show, much like a Kevin Durant or LeBron James does in China, et cetera, et cetera. So we received an email from Mr. Roman, Rocky Romanella of a schedule of soccer games, international friendlies that will be happening in the United States. And there are some very good games that are going to be coming to the United States of America. To list a few, Mr. Rinaldi, Juventus versus Bayern Munich on Wednesday, July 25th in Philadelphia. That Bayern same Munich, day, Andrew. Bayern, Bayern Munich. Come on, they're Excuse German. Me. Get, a, get a hard the hard That same day, Liverpool, Liverpool plays Manchester City at – in New York City, which I think technically is considered the MetLife Stadium. So, and that also that same day in Los Angeles, AC Milan plays Manchester United. So that's a good lineup right there. And you kind of move forward. Juventus is playing a friendly versus the MLS All-Star team. Then they're playing Real Madrid in Maryland. So up and down the East Coast, there's about 20 or so games that have been sent to us that do exist to help that interest internationally. And then secondly, a list of the top 100 famous athletes, according to ESPN. And there's no denying that the top athletes in terms of fame, endorsement-wise, social media-wise, social following-wise, um, the amount they're searched happen to be international professional soccer players. I mean, there's a reason why you know, we have the United States of America has their own version of football and the rest of the world has football. Andrew and like you said, the top the top money ranks, all all international soccer stars. Your Ronaldo's, your Messi's, Wayne Rooney's up there in the top. Zlatan Ibrahimovic is up there. He was uh, he once played for Sweden's national team, and now he's playing for the LA Galaxy. Andrew, let me tell you, if you want to laugh, you need to follow that man on uh, Twitter. He's quite a follow. That dude's poop does not stink. Go ahead. Rattle off some of the top money list guys, Andrew. I bet you it's Ronaldo, right? Number one? Ronaldo, Number one. LeBron James, two. Lionel Messi, three. Neymar, four. Roger Federer, five. Tiger Woods, six. I'll give you the top ten. Kevin Durant, seven. Rafael Nadal, eight. Stephen Curry, nine. Phil Mickelson, ten. Right? Now, that is the overall calculation of endorsements, social following, and what they consider search score, which is how much they're searched on Google, on Yahoo, everything else. If you go to social following, which to me is probably the most important statistic in terms of youth and the love for their athletes, the top three are soccer players, Ronaldo, Neymar, Messi. Number five is a cricket player. Number six is James Rodriguez, another soccer player, and I believe number eight, number nine, your boy Ibrahimovic, number 10, number 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. You get, you get where I'm going with this, all soccer players. So if you look at where young people are going on social media, who they want to follow, I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo, Anthony, has 121.7 million followers. To, to put that into comparison for everyone listening, LeBron James has 40.8. And if you watch TV in America, you would think LeBron James is the biggest thing in the entire world. And I mean, listen, some uh, Twitter just cleaned up all their, all those crazy bots. So I guess a lot of people lost a lot of followers. A lot of celebrities were up in arms because the numbers dropped and they were so concerned. 
but that's the age we live in, Andrew. What can you do? But I think the dad podcast needs to start following all these soccer players on on the regular, and we need to just need to just keep adding at them just so we can get the numbers up, Andrew. I think that's our game plan from now on. If you're a big star internationally, you're, you, you are on a different level than I think what it seems like when you're in America and you're watching ESPN or you're watching things of that like. Okay, moving forward on the mailbag. Number two comes from Ryan O'Sullivan, a, a player of mine this summer. And Ryan O'Sullivan writes, Gene Segura should stay in center field. D. Gordon should stay at second base. And Robinson could know should not be that much of a factor the remainder of the season for the Seattle Mariners. To that, Mr. Rinaldi, you say? I say correct, sir. What's the question? Andrew, just kidding. I don't know if you have the stat there. Or do you know when he's coming back? What was it, an 80 game suspension? 60 game suspension? August 12th, I believe he's coming August back. August 12th. All right. Well, you know, somewhere listen, in that range. It's. I listen when you're. I believe they're what fifty-eight and thirty-nine, something like that. What's their record? They're doing pretty well with that, Mister Cano, and he can't play in the playoffs. Anyhow, anyway, so I, I just feel like you you don't you don't rock the boat, Andrew. You keep Segura in center. D. Gordon plays your second, and you work in Cano on certain days when you could throw out uh, Nelson Cruz out in one of the outfield positions. You know, you throw in a DH spot for. You let uh, D. Gordon get a rest down the stretch. You let Segura get a stretch. Put D. Gordon out in center. Robbie at second. There'll be ways to put him in there just to get him at bats because you are paying him an ungodly amount of money. So he's just really right now. He's really an expensive paperweight on the bench when you come to think about it, Andrew. Yeah, and I and I agree with you. I, I think because he can't play in the playoffs, there's absolutely no need. You don't owe Robinson Cano anything to have to play him and, and kill the juju that you have in your clubhouse right now moving forward if you're the Seattle Mariners and Anthony how often in the last 20 years have the Seattle Mariners been in this position so you as an organization can't afford to fudge this up right now and in my opinion Roger Robinson Cano is going to be a guy that does fudge this up and if you're the Seattle Mariners and you have a, a serious chance this year to contend when you see how good Houston's going to be over the course of time how good the Yankees are going to be how good the Red Sox and the Indians are going to consistently be you have to you have to be full boat in right now because this opportunity for them is not going to come around often and you cannot allow Robinson Cano and that terrible contract you gave him to hinder the positivity that is happening around your ball club right now. If you're Seattle, you know, un- unless Houston has some serious problems and some injury concerns with their pitching staff, which I doubt, you know, you're basically, I, I have a feeling, and the way the Red Sox are playing, I have a feeling it's just going to be a crash course. It's going to be New York Yankees, Seattle Mariners. One game does it all. Severino versus Paxton. Let's go. Chalk it up. Let's not play the rest of the season. Let's just go right to October. I mean, end of September, Andrew, and line up your line up your lineups that way, and let's get after it. That's that's the way it's going to have to be. And, and I could see it ended up in that way too. And I also do believe that they're on a crash course for that. All right, last mailbag question, Mister Rinaldi, sent in from Dave from Schenectady. Dave from Schenectady says, "Should Le'Veon Bell have?" taken the contract extension that he was offered either last year or this season from the Pittsburgh Steelers, which was somewhere in the range of $13 million a year, or bet on himself and taken the franchise tag again? 
Ooh, we Andrew, man, how do you let go of $33 million guaranteed? As a running back. As a, I mean, man, listen, you have to have some serious confidence in your ability. I mean, the guy is not the most uh, stable running back there is. He's, he has had a, quite a few injuries. He had a little off-the-field incident with LeGarrette Blunt a few years ago when they played together. Uh, I believe that, you know, whatever have you, it was a few years ago, not really his style. You haven't seen him really get that, in that much trouble, you know, in the offseason. But he does tend to miss a few games here and there. He, he gets nicked up. Uh, not to, to, to pass on a full, I think it was a five-year deal, $70 million. Obviously, I think only 30 of it was guaranteed. But to bet on yourself, and I think it's going to be his last year as a Pittsburgh Steeler, I don't see him franchising him again next year and as a, three years in a row because then it jumps up to quarterback money, which is going to be somewhere in the range of 25 plus million for that year. Uh, I think it's just going to be, you know, he, he said he wants to, this is going to be the best year yet, 2018, which, I mean, what's he going to do? Play half the season, Andrew? He's gonna, is he going to sit out eight games and wait for the ninth game and then come back? Yeah, and, and I think we saw it last year when he sat out the when he didn't sat out the entire preseason, came back September fourth. His first three games were terrible. I think he averaged somewhere like three point five, three point six carries a, a, a per attempt or something along those lines. And he came out and he said it's going to be his best year, two thousand eighteen. Well, what's really his decision going to be? Because that's a lot of the debate right now. D- does he try and have the exact same amount of usage? Is he going to hold out like you said and? maybe wait till week eight or week nine when he's the, the last possible opportunity he's allowed to come back, save those legs, save that body. But it's a little strange, but it's not against what the Pittsburgh Steelers have seemed to have done throughout their entire history, Anthony, because at the end of the day, the Steelers are going to be the Steelers. And they understand that the franchise is going to stay and the players are going to come and they're going to go. And no matter how good Le'Veon Bell is, at the end of the day, he's a running back. And not only is he a running back, but he's the most used running back in the league. And I would argue to say that Le'Veon Bell is going to be better suited on a team that has a good third down back that allows him to still have the same amount of touches in terms of efficiency when he gets the football in his hands, but not actually touching the football as much because maybe instead of playing 35 to 40 downs a game, he's playing 28 to 32 downs a game. And over the course of a 16 game season in the playoffs is able to save a lot on his body and maximize his career for a little bit longer. Running backs are, I believe the second least paid football players, right above kickers, Andrew, it goes kickers and then running backs. And sadly running backs get, should get paid for what they did. But if, I mean, I'm sorry. I said that backwards. They're they're trying to get paid for what they did because you know, as you get up in age, you're it just your motor slows down. You're not the same, you know, bounce back player you once were at a, at a fine young age. And you see it. I mean, besides guys like Frank Gore, who's still running the ball at age 35, which is, you know, he's he's he, he he's an outlier, Andrew, because you know, I think I believe the average running back time frame is like what three years at most. So, I mean, the average shelf life in the NF- NFL is like three and a half to four years, and in general. Right. So, I mean, you got to take – I think you need to cash in when you can if you're running back. And for him to pass up 33 mil, obviously he's going to make 14 and a half this year. 
next year. He's going to hope to sign a long-term contract. You know, I know a few teams in the down down south, maybe Miami, might like a running back like Le'Veon Bell. What do you think there, Andrew? I mean, I would love Le'Veon Bell, and I think that would be an awesome two-headed monster with Kenyon Drake. I think that would be a really good athletic backfield. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I think what the Steelers are going to do is they're going to use him every single – way they wanted to use him going into 2018 and not really care at the end of the day about kind of what happens to Le'Veon Bell. And I think you would agree with me saying that because if they really, really cared, they would have found a way to got him the millions that he wanted at the end of the day though. And to answer your question, Dave from Schenectady, no, uh, yes, Le'Veon Bell should absolutely 1000% have signed that long-term extension. I'm curious to see what happens next off season and, and where he's going to end up because clearly his agent came out and said this is going to be his last year with the Pittsburgh Steelers. There are going to be quite a few big-time players, Andrew, that we may see hold out. I mean, Aaron Donald, L.A. has quite the interesting story. I know we may dive into them in a little bit about some odds. The Las Vegas Superbook said the most bets being put out right now are for the Los Angeles Rams to win the Super Bowl. The odds for them to win the Super Bowl are 12 to 1. Those are not the best odds. The best odds come from the Philadelphia Eagles and the New England Patriots, which is no surprise there. But do you agree, Mr. Rinaldi, with the fact that there is a significant amount of the American population putting 12 to 1 odd money bets down that the Los Angeles Rams win the Super Bowl? It's to me, I don't, you know, you like what you saw out of Jared Goff, his growth. You got to think he's going to get better. Todd Gurley had a hell of a year, kind of a comeback story a little bit. He was a high pick, and then he had a great year, then I got a bad year, and then he had another great year last year. They signed a lot of free agent big names. Or a lot of, they made some trades to get some, some, some great defense, uh, defensive players. On paper, their defense is just filthy, Andrew. Uh, but, I mean, listen, this, this league, NFL, you need – you need a solid quarterback. You know, you need an ace in the hole quarterback. And I just – I don't want to give Goff, you know, too much credit for last year's success. Um, so, I, I think it's I, I think it's a little waste of your money throwing the bananas on the, on the Rams, buddy. Not going to lie to you. I, and and I, I just can't – in the NFL, I just disagree to think this early advanced about a team that could win the Super Bowl because injuries are so paramount. And – Last year, the Philadelphia Eagles and Nick Foles were an exception to the rule. That doesn't happen. Normally, the 9.9 out of other 10 times that the starting quarterback of a team like the Philadelphia Eagles goes down like Carson Wentz did, that team, when Nick Foles takes over, most likely loses their first-round playoff game. And if they don't, they probably lose in the second round. So that's the exception to the rule. And and I, I think you're right. It's just that the Rams still need to prove it. Yeah, that's great. They went, I think, 13-3 and three last year or, or whatever their record was, 12-4. and four, they, they were a really good team last year, but they lost in the first round of the playoffs. So to me, they've proven nothing to me. It's the same thing I'll say of the Houston Rockets. Until I can see the Houston Rockets get over the hump. Until I see the Toronto Raptors get over the hump. Until I see the Washington Nationals get over the hump. I'm not going to believe any of these teams are good teams, nor am I going to put my bananas down on them in 12 to 1 odds in July to win the Super Bowl. I just don't trust any of that. No, and, if I was, and if I was going to put my bananas down in July, 
I'm putting them, I'm putting them down with Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, and the boys, regardless of what's happening inside that clubhouse. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, I can't wait to dive into football. I mean, we got we got headlines. You know, Earl Thomas, the last remaining pillar, the Legion of Boom, trying to get that's a sinking ship right now. Is Odell going to show up? Is he going to hold out? He's looking for a contract. Like I said, Aaron Donald's looking for a contract. Everyone in L.A. says pay the man, but they're going to have quite the heavy bill because they had a lot of players that they need to pay. I mean, we we may have to get a dab going on some early talk football, Andrew. I know as a Mets fan, you're basically done with baseball, so you're looking forward to the NFL season. Yeah, and and in the midst of an era where it seems like in every sport across the spectrum, players are the ones that are dictating what's happening and they're demanding trades and they're asking for trades. Larry Fitzgerald comes out and says that the only organization he ever wants to play for is the Arizona Cardinals, and it's a blessing to play for the same organization for 15 years. And I think there's something beautiful in that, Anthony, because I think that has is lost in the emotions of a professional athlete in today's age. Oh, I agree. You know, Larry Fitzgerald, to me, Reminds me of like a Derek Jeter for baseball. You know, he just goes about his business. Never hear anything bad about him. Never doesn't. You know, never in the news and the, you know, in the scandal and the and the TMZ reports. Just a good dude. Always does the right thing. Gives a hundred and ten percent on the field. Gives back to the community. And you know, Derek played twenty years for the Yankees. Larry Fitzgerald's on his what fifteenth year. You said for the Cardinals. So you can see he's well on his way. And, you know, just consummate pros, Andrew. It's probably the best way to describe them, right? Yeah, at 100%. And I love seeing stuff like that. And one can only hope that every – and you had it with Eli Manning and the Miami Dolphins had it with Dan Marino. And, you know, you saw the 49ers with Steve Young and Joe Montana and Troy Aikman and Dallas. And I could go up and down the list of of organizations that have had it. And I think – you know, you, you touch back on the Friday dab that we had about being a fanatic and being a huge fan. I think at the end of the day, that's what we're all looking for as fans is that one guy that represents our organization, that one guy that we can hold on to. That's our one guy. Well, Mr. Rinaldi, we had to do episode 21 two time today, but it doesn't matter because whether I'm spending an hour, two hours, six hours or 10 hours, it is always a pleasure. I was with you today, day casting, something crazy happened, technology is a mother. Either way, Andrew, it's always a blast talking sports with you. I can't wait to do it again Friday. Tell your friends, tell your friends. We need more listeners, subscribers. Hit us up on the emails, on the social media. Become an advertiser. Get your product out to our thousands of listeners, folks. It's not a joke. It's a promise. Andrew, take me out of here. That is the truth. Double A Balls Podcast at gmail.com. Dab Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. DAAB Podcast.com. Power on performance for your apparel. This is the Double A Balls Podcast. Tune back in with us on Friday for the Friday morning dab. I am your host, Andrew Romanella. My partner, his name is Anthony Rinaldi. Again, we are the Double A Balls Podcast, and we are this has been the double a balls podcast powered by power arm performance your leader in baseball and softball training apparel visit powerarmperformance.com to get your gear and begin training the power arm way today
got a roommate. Call me when there's no one there. Put the key under the mat and you know.